Welcome to another episode of Front Porch In It, where on Tuesdays, we do a little bit more than celebrating eating tacos. <laughs> now, before we get into it, I'd like to give God thanks. I'm thanking him for another day of life, health, and strength, another week of life, health, and strength to come together and to love and to learn and to communicate and to be open and honest and give him glory. I'm so grateful, not just for my life, but for yours. So I know we're all gathered here today to talk about what Pastor Mike had to say in chapters three through six about relationships, love, and sex. And we're most definitely going to get into it because he's dropping the tea and the gems that we, we must gather and collect to win and to learn. But before I do that, before I get into the book, I want to share something that God showed me, that he spoke to me. Because while we're focusing this podcast and our conversations and the wisdom and knowledge that book has for us to learn from, is is more than that. It's about expressing and being open and being honest to those questions and those answers, those lessons that we learn along the way in everyday life, not in just what book has to give us. is a source, most definitely, but it's not the only way. And if we allow ourselves to be open to hear God and to understand God and to ask for clarity on the little things, we'll really evolve and we can grow in maturity from that wisdom. So allow me a moment to share with you what he shared with me. Cause I really listen, I was I was hype. Once once he taught I was hype. I was lit. <laughs> so let's go ahead. Okay, so let me be very open and very transparent when I say I hate my job. Um, while I'm so grateful again that I've said in the last podcast that he's been able to provide and he showed to me from the lack of funds and financial stability unlike many people right now that they're going through I used to shelter me from that I still hate my job I've, I've hated it before corona and I hate it through corona but the only difference is now I'm really trying to stick it through because you know he opened my eyes are open to not everybody is as fortunate as I am right now but this week this week has been a very challenging week this week has been very one of those, even the even the sound of money and the sound of being financially stable has not motivated me enough to go to work and to want to work and to to power through those eight hours throughout the day. Because while I'm on a search for purpose, it's like, God, I know that you have a purpose for me in life and I know that it's not this job. And I know that you're so good that whatever purpose you see for me will allow me to provide for myself financially and not be in the misery that is called work. Because I don't believe that it's life to hate your job. That's crazy to hate your job, but you got to do it eight hours a day and five days a week. If you're miserable for 40 hours of your week and then another portion of those hours of the week are spent sleeping when you go to bed and then you have the other portion that's awake, you're really trying to live off the portion that you're not sleeping, you're not working to consider yourself to have a happy life or to have joy. And some people, they find joy even in those hard things like work. Even when they hate it, they find joy and, and they, they push through and they, they muscle. One of those persons being my mom. I tell her now, like, you've been working half your life. 
I've only been in this working scene for a few years coming out of high school. And I'm already over it. So to have witnessed you go through it and did it and sacrificed because you know that you had to not only provide for yourself, but provide for your family, that's strength. And that's admiration that I have for her. But that ain't for me. I'm, I'm going to find something that I enjoy doing and then I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to be prosperous in my financial life. Amen. That's what God told me. And stick with me, y'all. I promise I'm not just using this as a way to vent about my job. I'm, I promise you I'm getting somewhere. And I'm going to try not to make this episode too long because I really want to put this before I even get to the book. But stick with me. I'm going somewhere. So with the way that I've been feeling about work, I've given myself a vacation. I said I'm not going to put myself through that right now. I'm not going to put myself through that mental turmoil that I go through eight hours of the day. I'm going to give myself space. And if the job decides to let me go, then hey, even through Corona, I believe God will bless me with another job. But I'm going to take the time, the mental break that I need to, during this time, seek purpose still and talk to God and ask him for direction and ask him, okay, God, should I stay in a job? Like if I'm supposed to stay in this job and not leave like I want to, give me strength to bear. And if I'm supposed to leave, then give me the direction on where I should be going now. That's what I've been doing. And today in the shower, I began to analyze not only my actions for today, Tuesday, but my actions for the previous week. And here's when it gets here's when it gets good. So listen up. If you've listened to nothing about me talking about me hating my job, I need you to get into it right now. I began to think about throughout this whole week that I've decided not to go to work because when you go to work, you have something to do. Yeah, it's time. It's time spent doing something that you probably don't like doing, but it's time spent doing something. And I will say that at least when I do work, I get a sense of being productive. I don't like to be idle. But this whole week, I pretty much chilled in bed or watched TV. And maybe I really didn't get into God like I meant to. And I really analyzed my habits and my actions from this week based off today or based off days that I would go to work. And here's what I mean. On days that I go to work, I intentionally start my day with God. I wake up a little bit before I know I have to work so that I can put on my gospel music so that I can really get into his presence. Why? Because I know that what I'm about to go through mentally working this shift is too much. And I need God's strength. I need God's power to push me through those eight hours. Because it's been times where not even working, but on days where I wasn't intentional about setting the tone for my day on a good note, on God's note. And I had a bad day. But other days where I woke up and I was like, okay, God, let let it be me and you, me and you right now. Let's get our time before I give anybody else time, before I get on social media, before I get into conversations with other people. Let me get into your presence so that that presence can follow me throughout the whole day. So no matter what comes my way, I know that I'm powered in strength from you. And I'm not sure about other people's prayer time and when you're worshiping God and when you're trying to get in his presence. But me personally, and for everybody, that time looks different and it's, it's different things are said. But for me, each and every time I get in his presence, I ask that he use me, that he invades every part of me, that he invades my mouth so that I can speak words of love, speak things of godness. 
I say he invades my ears so that whatever, no matter what anybody says, when it penetrates my ears and goes through my brain, that is godly and that is loving. I ask that he invades my eyes. So no no matter what I see, I see things of God and things of love. I ask that he invades my thoughts because you don't just see with your eyes, you see with your brain. That's what thinking is, is dissecting and is seeing and is understanding. So I ask that when he invades my thoughts, he rids me of whatever I got going on. He takes those away and he gives me thoughts of him so that he can speak and that I can hear him. And I believe that's important because let's say you encounter somebody that's having a, a bad day or a bad moment or a bad year. And when you speak to them, they're very nasty. And a lot of times people, they're defensive. So you be nasty to me and then I'm going to be nasty to you. But I believe that when you're godly and that when you know God, you understand that, like you said, we don't, we don't battle the flesh. We battle the spirit. So, yes, that person is lashing out on us and we may want to lash back. But God would show compassion to that person. God would attempt to look deeper into just the things that they speak. But maybe what they speak is a reflection of the things that they are battling internally. And to not just add fuel to the fire and to instigate by getting back on the same level. That's what I mean when I say, God, okay, use me, you know. Allow me to have compassion. Allow me to be forgiven. Allow me to be patient, not only to myself, but to the other people that I'm experiencing. And let me tell you something. When I get deep into his presence, like when I quiet the noise, quiet the thoughts, try to not feed into distractions, whether it be my phone or whether it be, you know, people in my household, you know, them conversating. When I try to quiet those distractions and I really get in his presence, I feel tingling. I feel a sensation. I feel uplifted. I feel powerful. I feel invincible. And that's God. That's God giving me my strength. That's God giving me my wisdom and my power. Because when I know him and his truth, I can be wise and stand on it. So let me get to the point because that that was the important part that I wanted to share. But let me get into the point where he really was like, okay, girl, you see this? This is what we ain't going to do. This whole week, because I know I wasn't going to work. And because I know that I wasn't finna allow that job to make me stress, make me be depressed and desperate mentally. And I'm probably making a whole big deal, but that's what that job do to me. I promise it's probably not even that bad. But me, that's what it do to me. Because I know that I wasn't going to the job to be able to endure that. I didn't wake up with God. I didn't wake up like, okay, let me put on my praise and um, worship music. I didn't wake up and say, okay, let me watch a sermon video on YouTube. And maybe I played a song or two, but other days when I know I'm going to work, I would really get into it. I would, I would really focus because I know that I need that God feeding. I need him to give me that strength for me to get through my day. But in the case that I'm not going into that battle, on this particular day, then I didn't seek all that strength and all that power in him. But Tuesday, podcast day, I did do it. I got in him. I focused. I let that that elevation get in me. I let that tingling get in me. I told him to take over my mind, take over my words, take over my ears. Because, yeah, I wasn't going to work. Yeah, I wasn't going to face depression. Or, yeah, I wasn't going to face anxiety or stress. But I knew I needed something to help me do something that's bigger than me, which is to 
speak, right? I'm going somewhere. I promise I'm going somewhere. Y'all, God said, you seek me in strength. This is what he told me. Before I, before I started to record, I was in the shower and I'm thinking, I'm just analyzing today and my past days. He told me, you seek me when you knew what was coming. When you know that you needed strength, when those routine battles, when you go to work at a routine and you know what's to come, you seek me for strength. But you didn't seek me. You didn't get in my presence because you knew you wasn't going to work because you didn't think that there was battles today. You thought that today was a chill day that you didn't need strength. So let me say this. On days off, you go to the beach and I don't know about you, but on days that I go to the beach, I expect to have a good day. So maybe I don't expect to get in God's presence. Maybe I don't expect that I need that strength because it's not going to be battles. You don't expect to go to the beach and almost drown. That's the battle. You don't expect to go to the beach and almost be eaten by sharks. That's the battle. So your mind is projected. Your mind is calculated to get him and get his power or at least mine's. When you know what's coming, when you know you about to go to somebody's house that every time you speak to them, they make you want to punch them in the face. So you say, Lord Jesus, help me. I'm about to go in this house and I need your strength. When you know that you're finna walk into an environment that's not good for your mind, body and soul, you ask for that strength. But when you think that your space is good, when you think it's all good in the hood, you don't seek that. And, and as I'm thinking, as I'm as I'm listening to him, I'm like, OK, God, I hear you. I hear you. Y'all. I'm I got to I got chills right now I promise I'm getting to the book I promise I'm getting to the book but when you don't seek him because you think that you don't get into those routine battles you leave yourself open and vulnerable because the only battles you face aren't the battles that you expect to come there's battles around the corner that you can't see so yeah it's a battle down the street that you can see Cause you don't walk down the street before, so you know what's to come. But when you been in this corner, it's some shit you ain't never seen before. Oh, sorry, I cursed. Sorry, God. It's some stuff that you ain't seen before, stuff that you haven't encountered. So what that meant for me was, yes, I didn't go to work, so I didn't seek God. I didn't need that power. But what did I do? I laid in bed all day. I let procrastination take over me. I let idleness take over me I felt down even not going to work and I was so confused I'm like okay I'm not working but I still feel down and I mentioned procrastination as a battle because not only is it something I've been dealing with for the past few days it's something I've always dealt with my whole life for as long as I can remember I've always been that person that's done things at the last minute so yes it's always been something I wanted to change about myself because who likes that last minute pressure that we tend to go through but I didn't realize how harmful it can be. What if procrastination is that very thing stopping me from transitioning from the person I am today to the person living in purpose? So don't listen and think, oh, procrastination isn't a battle. It is. Let's not underestimate those underdogs because they they pull a lot of weight in too. I'll give an example without even going into it. Pride. Pride is a battle. Pride is... That thing, that underdog, that that thing powerful. When you learn to let go of pride, you can flourish. So I hope you with me because he told me this. And again, this podcast is not just to read books, but it's to share things that he tells me and not just to share it and that be it, but to 
uh, apply it to my everyday life. And hopefully, if you bought it, you'll apply it to yours. So through all that, my long story short, God told me, don't just pray for strength. Don't just seek me and find power in me when you think you're going into battle. There's always going to be a battle and it's going to be in different forms. It's not going to be in a battle that you recognize It's one way to know what's coming and prepare. But what about the things that come that you didn't see coming? What about the things that came in a different outfit? It looks different. So you may leave yourself vulnerable to being exposed and to being corrupted by it because that's what I did. And understand those everyday battles that we face, it may not be this significant thing. It may not be, oh, today I didn't feel depressed or today I didn't feel insecure or today I wasn't anxious. Maybe is we didn't get in God's presence. So we're not let, letting him use our mouth to speak words of compassion and to speak words of patience and love. And then we talk to somebody and they say something to us and then we respond a certain way that's not godly, but of the enemy. And that very response gave that person a thought and encouraged a thought or it encouraged a feeling. And that feeling that we instigated in them wasn't God's will for them. But if we can allow God to use us, we can be a blessing to other people, right? And he can't use us if we don't get in his presence and we don't make it a habit to get in his presence every day. So I don't know if this is applicable for you, but this is something that he told me and I was in a shower and he was reading me fulfilled. And I was like, okay, God, I hear you. And I thank you. I thank you for even allowing me to see that. And I'm going to share it because you didn't just give it to me for myself. Right? Because a part of me doing this podcast is a part of me being obedient and, and fulfilling my purpose. Right? So thank you for allowing me to share that. And I hope, again, that you were open to what I said. But it was placed on my heart. So I'm just doing what I feel that I should do, which is to share it. But now let's get into chapters three through six. So now that we're on track, now that we're back to regular scheduled programming, <laughs> I wanted to start talking about the book on the point of loving ourselves. Last episode, we talked about loving God first, loving ourselves second, and then loving others third. And I believe that if you've truly gotten into loving God, we will begin to see ourselves as he sees us. And then we can't help but to love ourselves. But maybe there's still an issue. Maybe there's still some form of disconnection to where no matter how much you love God and believe in God, you're still questioning your own value. Maybe the insecurities come from outside appearance on maybe I'm not pretty or handsome enough or why are my hands so big? Why are my feet so big? Why can't I lose weight? Or maybe it's the inside of you, your personality being why am I not? smart enough? Why am I not capable? Why am I not funny? Insecurity rears its head in different forms for different people. They show up in different forms in different people and they express themselves in different forms in different people. And I get what it's like to be insecure. A, a lot of time, a lot of thoughts growing up 
were why are my hands so fat? Like I was literally insecure about my fingers, my fingers and my feet. If you know me, you've seen my fingers, you see my feet, they're small, stubby and chubby. And they, I got it from my mama. <laughs> and for the longest, um, I hated it. For one, I couldn't find shoes that fit my feet and that complemented my feet. And then I can't recall people calling my finger sausage. So if you're one of them, shame on you. God don't like ugly, okay? But seriously, I understand what it's like to to have insecurities. And thankfully, I've realized that God made the sun. God made the sun one time. And the sun shows up and does his duties every day. Every day that sun rises and goes down. Every day. It ain't it ain't not show up for work not one day. It ain't have a sick day. It ain't take a vacation. It does its job. It didn't fall out the sky. God literally he made it once. And I say that because he didn't he didn't have to do a do-over. It wasn't a oh my bad, I made the wrong son. Last son fell and burnt whoever burnt felt don't try to make me be the space person because I don't even know the connection between the sun and the earth and if it falls through here. Listen, the point is, he made it one time. It wasn't a trial and error. So we know that God is perfect. And if we have a question just how perfect he is, we can look at the natural things he created and know that he doesn't make mistakes. So that just doesn't apply to the sun, the water, and all this other beautiful natural elements that does his job since day one that has never stopped doing its job is in us too so yeah you can lose weight if that's what you feel you need to do but don't nitpick at yourself don't highlight and magnify on what you think are the negative things about yourself don't do it it's so tiring and I know from personal experience, and I won't say I am 100% secure in how I look and how I feel, but I know I'm on a path and I know that I'm closer now than I've ever been. And for that, I can pat myself on the back because that's progression. We're not searching for perfection, but progression. So whoever you are, man, woman, you are beautiful. God made you perfect. He made you funny. He made you smart. He made you just what you needed to be to do what he needs you to do. There's no more. Period. No more. So did y'all catch the gem like I did when Pastor Mike said that singleness is not a punishment? That singleness doesn't mean that you're unworthy of love? Because I know that at times, I can witness a relationship. And let's say you have this woman and you have this man. And let's say you witness this man shower this woman with love. He's always buying her flowers. He's always giving her compliments. You can see in his eyes that he loves her. You can see it is genuine. Let's say you, you've ever seen that. So I think subconsciously, you'll believe that, man, this woman may be she she must be awesome. She must be amazing. It's something about her that makes her worth all that love. So yeah, that's true. She is loved for a reason and her reason. But you being single and you not receiving praises and kisses and, and flowers from somebody else doesn't mean that you're not just as worthy. 
you give yourself flower and you give yourself praises and kisses until somebody else can do it with the same energy that you do. But we're all worthy. I believe singleness is for you to grow and to become the person that you're meant to be. And yeah, you have those couples that started very young and then they grew up together. And that's them. That's their story. That's their own set of challenges that they face together and individually starting things out at a young age. But if you are single and you are surrounded by couples to where you feel like, come on, where's my time? If you are like that, Use the time to grow and to really learn what you feel you need in relationships. Because I guaranteed you what you thought you needed two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, however far you want to take it back, isn't what you feel you believe now. Like I shared last episode, I thought that I only really needed an intellectual conversation for a relationship to flourish in my life. And once I got that, it still wasn't. 100% what I expected. And I questioned maybe if my expectations are too high, maybe I won't get that 100%. Maybe I should settle for the 75 or the 85. But no, you'll get your 100 in its right places. So for me, it wasn't just the intellectual. I need need the spiritual as well. I need the emotional as well. All those must connect between my spirit and theirs. And until I find it, I won't be sacrificing. I won't be missing out. I won't be feeling like I have to go into something just because, just to have somebody. No, not at all. In intentional dating, Pastor Mike began to share his experience of meeting his wife at a very young age, them dating to a point, and his wife, which was his girlfriend at the time, began to talk about the relationship more seriously you know, marriage. And I guess he clamped up and he expressed how he felt he wanted to experience other people. He didn't want his one and only girlfriend to turn into his wife and that be the only experience he had in relationships. He felt he needed to dip his toe in other waters. And I so felt that. I remember at one point I felt I needed to kiss a thousand frogs to appreciate my prince. And I don't know where that thought came from. Pastor Mike says culture, and I don't disagree. I can't tell you what song said it or what movies had me under the impression, but for some reason, I thought that's what I needed. It only took one frog. It took one frog and the warts and pain that I received from that one frog for me to know, uh uh-uh, I don't need any more of these experiences. I don't need any more of this pain, this headache to appreciate something real, something genuine. But you know what? Despite a period that I went through in relationship where it was toxic for me, I learned from that situation. It wasn't an L. It wasn't a loss. It was really a lesson. So I don't wish that I can go back. I don't regret it. Not at all. Because my brain and my mind have been fixated on the way relationships supposed to go, which is a billion frogs, this one happily ever prince. And thankfully, I don't have a hard head. I can learn pretty quickly. As a matter of fact, I can learn from other people's mistakes. I don't just learn from me, but if I can, I'll learn from you, 
from my mama, from my dad, from my, I learned from my environment. So I don't have to feel the direct pain to know, stay away. So I don't regret my frog. I actually appreciate him. And there's no bad blood. There's no, nothing, none of that. Because that's what God used to condition me. Because what I believed before, I don't believe now. I ain't kissing no more other frogs. And as soon as I I do kiss you and you show me that you're a dang frog, you got to jump away. Or I'm going to turn into a frog and I'm going to jump away. Pastor Mike said, recreational dating doesn't work. The dating without a purpose. And I think I agree. I Matter of fact, I know I agree. I agree 100%. I'm not a person that wastes time. I've never been a person to waste time. And we've already determined that connection is consuming. It gives and it takes from us. So be purposeful in those connections that you build. Friendships in romantic relationships. Not just, oh, I'm dating him because he's cute. And let me talk to my ladies right now. Ladies, when you are asking a guy, what are we? Where do we stand? How do you feel? When you're questioning him, when you are probing to get your answers, don't feel like you're nagging. Don't let, oh, I don't want to be naggy to tell you from getting those answers. Because we should be dating with a purpose. And purpose is marriage. So we can be the best of friends. But if you don't see a life with me and we're not working toward that life together, then leave me alone. Let me go find my boo, my everlasting boo, for real. That's just how I feel. I stand on that 100%. I'm asking those questions. What are we? What do you see us going? Do you love me? Because you need to know. And if that person acts funny, when you do ask those questions, that's not to be taken lightly. And truth be told, and I'm saying this, unless you started out very young, but if you're in a place where you're at of age and you're both two healthy individuals, those long relationships, those I've been together for five years, mm-mm. I'm sorry, I won't be together with nobody for five years um, to reach an engagement at least. Again, unless you're young, unless you started out very young, and if those two individuals, you and that person, are not healthy if you haven't done the work that we've already talked about at this point if you have not done that work in your singleness if you haven't patched up all those holes you feel like you have inside of you if you haven't dealt with those insecurities if you haven't learned to love God and love yourself but if you have and I have I'm gonna be engaged to you for five years it don't take five years to know I may give you two and Sometimes I battle with that because it's like, okay, am I being controlling? Am I trying to control my life's timeline? Am I impatient? Because sometimes people's life is their journey, so you can't rush them. But when somebody knows, when when they know, they know. You have cases where people propose after three months. And while I think that's a bit crazy, I won't knock it, especially if they propose at month three and they're together at year 30 because this happened. It's success stories when they know they know. So, yeah, you can't tell me that you're in a relationship for three to four to five years and there's no engagement. There's no marriage. There's no progression. That's progression to me because what have I been doing in the year three, year four, year five? We haven't went on enough dates. We haven't had enough conversations. 
for for you to know who I am. Because even if the first six months, you know, that they say that's the representative person. That's when the person puts on their best face. But sometimes, eventually, that facade gets pretty hard to maintain. And they begin to let their real selves release. So I reached a part of the book where Pastor Mike began to talk about how this young couple seeked counsel in him for how to do relationships differently than what they've done in the past. And he said something super important while talking about the story, and that's friendships. I'm so big on taking my time entering a relationship, and that's so I can be your friend. Because for one, I don't want to be in a relationship where I just love somebody. I want to like them, to like the person that they are. And a lot of times, we're only friends with people that we like. Who's friends with people that you don't like? So what I like to do and what I always encourage is take that time just getting to know someone on a platonic level. And if it blossoms into something romantic, then hey. But you can really know a person at their truest point in friendship. Now, unless they're manipulative and unless they're deceitful, that's a whole nother story. But one thing I've learned when being friends with a guy, if you know you don't like this guy, then you let your hair down. Because as women, if we find someone we're attracted to, then we're going to do everything that we can to appear as perfect as we can, to appear as pretty as we can, to appear as put together as we can. And we do that for as long as we can until the realness starts to show. But when your friends were off the back, it's no me wanting to impress you. I'll let you see me at my ugly days. I'll let you see me at my low moments because I don't feel there's no no need to front. Because when you're not fronting and you allow yourself to be true and to be vulnerable, you allow that person to become attached and attracted to that person. The real you as opposed to the representative. Because what happens is when the representative begins to fall and that's all they've known that's a mass. And once it's uncovered, the real you is exposed and they may not like the real you. And it's not fair to be mad at that person because you didn't give them the opportunity to like the real you. So that all goes into don't introduce something or don't start something that you can't maintain. And that that's in every aspect. That's in just being your authentic self, your real self is take it or leave it. You like it, you love it or you don't. And that's okay, because we're not meant to entice everybody. But please, don't put up the representative. Please, like, just be open. Don't, he won't like this or she won't like that. If they don't, so what? They weren't for you. Another point that Pastor Mike made that really resonated with me, which really full circles my whole point of reading this book and inviting you to read this book is to learn things that I didn't already know. And one of those things being to be in relationship and allow God to lead my romantic relationship and do romantic relationship the godly way. Now, I don't have experience doing it that way. I've been kind of doing my own thing, but I am in my singleness now. And when I do begin to welcome and really get into romantic, intentional dating, I want to lead it with God. And he made a really good point to say, when you don't leave with God and when you are in control by yourself, you are subject to handle things the incorrect way. Um, an example I can think of would be to get into an argument. And maybe in that argument, 
certain things are said, certain emotions are led, you know, maybe it's pride, maybe it's hate, maybe it's jealousy. Just you allow certain emotions and certain thoughts to be in control of how you react or act in the situation as opposed to taking a step back and say, okay, what would God do? And I know that's so cliche, WW. JD, but it's real. What would God do? What would God say? Because we can't take words back. And sometimes people get over arguments, but some blows really sting. Some things that come out of people's mouths really leave an imprint on that relationship that they may never recover from. If you've reached this part of the podcast, that means our time together on the front porch has come to an end. Now, I will say that now that we're about halfway through the book, I've been enjoying myself, reading and learning and getting things put into a different perspective than I'd already thought about, or maybe it was thoughts that already crossed my mind, but now I'm allowing myself to really analyze and dig deeper. And while this is just theories and hypothetical situations, I most definitely look forward to applying it to everyday life because it's not about reading and talking about it. It's about reading, talking about it, learning, and then applying it in action. So that we can see those different results. So we can transform into that different being that has different love and different type of relationships. Now, if you're already having the best time of your life and the relationship you feel doesn't need any progression, then hey, that's you. But I speak for myself and I definitely need that that God's hand on everything that I do. Like my mom always say, it's been real, it's been fun, and it's been real fun. And I welcome you to join me again next Tuesday at this very spot. See you then.